Welcome to Growing Up Fire with Jamie Coots. Seahawk, it is our commitment to you that you have complete access to the top professionals, industry experts, and products for your fire service. We stand by the service and products we provide. We are proud of our past, and we are constantly listening to our customers and exploring new ways to bring better options to the fire service. This is Seahawk. High level, safety, service, security. Please visit our website at www.seahawkservice.ca or give us a call at 1-888-791-4210. Welcome to Growing Up Fire, Season 3, Episode 11. I got Eric from Aqua Eye with me today, and uh, I'm here, and Brent Paquette from the Chestermere Fire Service. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about this cool new water rescue tool that's hitting the market. For me, it's kind of funny. I, I got a bit of a backstory that we'll share as we go along here. For me, I never really thought that... I would have somebody that's pitching a water rescue product on the podcast. And so for me, that's super cool. It shows that we're growing a little bit. It also shows that every once in a while, a product comes along that I want people to know about, right? And so uh, I'm not selling it. I, I'm not doing any of that. But I think that uh, I saw it, we tried it, and our story will tell the rest. But uh, super excited to have you here today. Thanks, Jamie. Appreciate it. And Brent? I'm super, super happy to be here. Always super always. happy to be here. You always start the exact same way. <laughs> awesome. So let's talk a little bit about Aqua Eye, what it is, what uh, the backstory, what we're talking about today. Sure. Uh, why don't I give a bit of an introduction about how we came to be and a little bit about what the product is. But the founder of our company, her name is Carla McCark. She's an engineer, but she put herself through engineering school by lifeguarding. Our company was started by an engineer and a lifeguard, and it was, it was in the summers while she was working. Inevitably, someone, oftentimes a child, would go missing in the water. And the process and the protocols that she would go through, relatively similar to even what a first responder or a firefighting team would do, they clear the beach, a group of lifeguards, oftentimes very young adults, would, common pattern, would link arms and move through the water in a grid search, hoping they're going to bump into the person that's missing in time to save a life. It was this notion of realizing how scary that is as a young adult, how ineffective it is. She describes this to me as a feeling of hopelessness. Like you're going there, you're like, the odds are so stacked against us. We can't see in the water. We've got this terrified family on shore and we're trying to do this incredibly heavy, important work. And it was always clearly like, she's told lots of stories, like always in her mind of like, this can be better. And then she did what engineers do, or these good engineers do, and they make really good products. And they say, hey, there's this problem that I can solve. And so as uh, you know, it kind of continued to ruminate in her head, she thought it through eventually, she's like, I gotta do something about it. Like I need to make an impact. And so she started the company, you know, I'm kind of telling part of her story, but it was a long journey of, you know, the early stages. She spent a lot of time building this thing. Her stories include a lot of time, like she said, for about a year, her bathroom was totally off limits because all this sonar gear was in her bathtub and all these <laughs> unique aspects. And her, you know, her whole personal life sounds like it was revolving around this, but she put the hard work in and she's, she's really passionate about it and the whole team shares it to develop a product called Aquai, which is designed to find drowning victims in the water very quick. So if you want a quick description of what it's like, it's a handheld sonar device. It looks, for the listeners out there, it looks like a bright yellow radar gun. Uh, You can get it in the water within seconds of arriving on scene. It's capable of searching one acre of water in just under one minute. So it's handheld, so it goes in the water fast of arriving on scene. 
And it also has a unique AI, AI algorithm built into it. So you put it in the water, you pull it from left to right, and you scan. It'll identify and mark drowning victims very quickly. So if you can find someone in the water in under a minute, you have a chance to save a life. And our mission, the thing that we care about the most, is saving lives. Like We're a very mission-driven company. I have the word sales in my title. It's what, it's what I do. But my perspective on selling is we want to help our customers succeed. We want to help. Lots of things you can make. And lots of opportunity to make money in life. That's not what drives us as a team. Not what drives us as a company. Not what drives me as an individual. We celebrate the wins. We celebrate the success stories. We celebrate when we can help our customers make a difference in their protocols and their community. Sorry, a long answer, but no, all about. it's great. I mean, I, I, that's what we're looking for, the backstory, right? Because I can tell you, like, I remember when I first saw this and uh, we were talking about getting it for Lesser Slave Lake, where I used to work, I was thinking about all the times that we've been out. And sadly, in this business, when you live by a big body of water, you end up going out there to these things. And, and sometimes it's a rescue and turns into recovery. Sometimes it's just a flat out recovery. So I thought, you know, I'm watching the video and I'm going through it and we're making the inquiries and, and I could just think of like 13, 14 stories right off the top of my mind where it would have made a difference. And so my first water rescue ever, uh, we got called out, guy had a seizure, went under, right? We get there, it's 15 or 20 minutes, right? So it's, it's late to the game. Now we're looking at two kilometers of white sand beach on this beautiful lake, but the water's a bit murky. It's not like being in the Caribbean. And so, you know, we did what we could at the time, which is grab some rope, link up between us. And, mm-hmm. and so you get all these false, false positives, right? So mm-hmm. it gets hooked on a rock. Someone has to dive down there and, and look. So we get, you know, the rock, the log, the log, the log. And then all of a sudden my rope gets hooked. So I just followed the rope and I came face to face with this person that was underneath the water. So not too bad for me because I I guess I kind of thought I was doing it. But when I grabbed him and I held him up and called the boat over, the terrified look that they had in their eyes was something that will always stick with me. And so, you know, to me, we could have gotten the water, scanned that area, Mm -hmm. said, okay, it's not that, it's not, here's a potential, here's a potential. And we could have went It would have cut down that recovery by a lot. Mm-hmm. And potentially could have turned it into a rescue. Yeah. Right. Another time, young lad went over the weir, and so he's oh. you know he's stuck in the drowning machine. But you don't know how fast it's going to spit him out. And mm-hmm. so they ultimately, three days later, found him stuck uh, under a branch down the river. And so again, if we would have went down the river and had this tool to be like potential, potential, we could have search differently and look differently and mm-hmm. and that one we were so close who knows what could happen right maybe we could have made it a rescue instead of a recovery and mm-hmm. and if nothing else the recovery would have went faster and so you know for me it was like yeah we got to try this thing out we got to get it and we got to do it and so brent let's turn it over to you and let's talk, talk a little bit about uh, chestmere and when we tried it out at chestmere yeah it was all of a sudden right Jamie comes to me and starts talking about, have you seen this aqua thing? And I said, no, I've never seen this. So then, of course, right, we're looking it up online, doing the Google and take a look at it. And Paul McClure, who's one of our captains, we talk about this. We're like, yeah, we really want to try this out. So we were in contact with you guys and you guys were fantastic. Sent one out, shipped one out for us to be able to take a look at because we just wanted to look at it pretty much right away made some phone calls and we had some major departments from around us come out and so they could look at it as well and our lake's kind of pretty unique because it's very shallow in a lot of areas we as the season goes on we get a lot of um, aquatic plant growth in it so all those challenges we're always trying to get over 
So yeah, we were we were using it. We kind of finally got some some helpful tips from you guys, and we're using it as a training scenario and a demo, basically. Right, we're out there with multiple departments looking at it. Realize that okay, yeah, we've got this working. We've got people out at different different portions and going, yeah, this is exactly how far out they are. This this thing this makes sense, and a call comes in for a boat adrift and we're all there <laughs> and we have this tool with us so it went from a demo to training to all of a sudden we've put this thing that we've only had in our hands for 10 minutes into hey we've got this tool let's use it for this for this call we respond down to the area of where this is the individual nobody knew their whereabouts at that time so we scanned with it we lo looked and like you said it will do a large portion very quickly at the same time right we had the rcmp trying to track down who it is what they're doing what happened with the boat looking at all the different things right that we tried to put those pieces together in a water rescues is there fishing rods in it are they this right on and we had a bunch of things that made us think there could potentially have been somebody in the boat so yeah we scanned and we checked a whole big area and it worked well around the docks and everything for us as well um, we knew exactly what we were looking at so it was pretty cool to take it from hey we're just going to demo this and all of a sudden boom we're we're using it on a call it turned out we we found the individual and the boat had just drifted but it took a lot of stress off of the responders mm -hmm. because immediately it was like well we have a pretty good idea that there's nobody in the water here as far as we're concerned we've already checked this mm -hmm. and normally we would be doing that with side imaging sonar mm -hmm. and we'd be driving back and forth and this would have been hours and hours until all of a sudden we decided so it was very interesting how quickly you can check a large area well and side sonar right is it that squiggly line or this squiggly line or is it the squiggly exactly. line it's a person or and and so you know to me so we'll, we'll go back to you eric and if you could kind of walk us through a little bit about how the unit decides between something that could be a possible person and basically, you know, the pier or the dock or any of those things. I'll answer that question with a, a, a brief story, but I'll definitely explain how it works. But what you described with side imaging sonar or any type of imaging sonar, first off, I'll start, we, we don't compete with it at all. We think that's a terrific layer for search. Like it's a very, very valuable product. It's a different product and it can do some very, very powerful things. I've had many stories, I can think of one actually, I was, I was traveling, we have international partners across Europe, and I was in Hungary meeting with actually a lifeguard team. And this has happened in multiple meetings, but this was the most powerful one. And he pulled out mid-meeting, pulls out this image, uh, side scan image, just a down scan image, and just squig exactly squiggly lines. And he goes like, you see this? And I was translated, so this translates, and I was like, my first response is like, yeah, it's, I mean, this is, you're just showing me sonar imaging. It's like, no, you see, and he's pointing something on there, I'm like, no, and then I, mean, I realize what he's doing, and he carries it around. He's like, that's her. I, I missed her. And he's just got this imaging where he, he, he had a boat. There was a drowning victim, and they were called. And he drove the boat over top of her multiple times, had the imaging, and could not identify the person using that imaging sonar. It was just too complex. I and mean, when you look at it, even knowing they're there, it's hard to find. So that, like knowing that, that's why we're so excited about AquaWide, and that's why what's unique about the algorithm. So one of the hardest things you've said, like, so, like imaging sonar can work very well, but it's very tricky to deploy and a lot of teams don't do water rescue work often enough to really, really master it. 
So what's unique about AquaEye is it's got a built-in algorithm. So not only is it listening for the sonar, so it's sending out a sonar ping and listening for the echoes, but the algorithm, I like to think of it as if it's if the algorithm itself, the AI, has completed thousands of searches and it's applying that wisdom, that intelligence to the search. So we've scanned, to actually train it, we've scanned at people thousands of times to build that into the machine learning algorithm so that when you scan and you hit a person with a sonar beam and it produces an echo, we'll mark that on the screen with an X so that that tricky interpreting work of imaging sonar can be taken out and be you can use machine learning and uh, artificial intelligence to do that job. We think that's a really good application of AI. So that's what's unique about it. It takes the guesswork sounds negative, I don't want to be negative towards it, but it takes that uncertainty out of it and with confidence you can find a target. And then if you'd like to go over it with imaging sonar to get a better read, almost get a second opinion, you can go ahead and do that. Yeah, and I think that that's like, to me, I think that's kind of what we found, right? As we got better and better with it, as we trained with it more and more, we're like, oh, it's picking up the dock. Oh, no, it's picking up the person that's, you know, standing there on purpose for us to find them. Oh, it's picking up that person that's floating out there. And so it was kind of cool to watch, you know, what's a target and what's a not. Yeah. Does that make sense to, that you, you know, you use the AI to train it to figure out what's going on? Yeah, it's a lot of AI. And uh, I mean, it's also, because it's handheld as a tool, I mean, it is also a lot of fun. Like I'll take it I'm on vacations with my, my kids as well. I'm not trying to say uh, the job itself is fun, but it's, it's a, it is neat to get out there and you can actually identify people. Like there's a component of hide and seek to it when training. It's kind of a common thing we'll use. Someone would safely hide you go find them usually on the surface but you do that but it's pretty neat to take out and actually see it work in action yeah i i thought right away like what once we had to you know figure out how to use it <laughs> yeah the, the tip i would give to anyone listening is like they offer to come with the machine and train you that that's the one that i would pick if i was you <laughs> training ourselves while we're on the phone trying to talk to you guys out in vancouver there wasn't that much fun for us but <laughs> once we figured out what we were doing wrong and we actually used the unit properly you know it was really marking us and, and it was incredible to watch and, and see what it's doing and and so i agree and anyone that uses sonar will know that you know, to really become proficient at that side sound, side uh, sonar, you, you have to do it a lot. And then you have to sit there and look at the data and look at the data. And then you have to go and find things that you can find and go over it. Yeah. And then if it's something different, right? I've looked at it, you know, again, been to too many recoveries. I don't even like to think about it. But mm -hmm. later when they show you the sonar data, you know, the people that do it all the time, or like it's right there you can't yeah, see it exactly yeah and i'm like i can't see this squiggly line from that squiggly line like and then all of a sudden it's like well it's right there and then when they point it out to you it's like oh i can immediately see what you're seeing yeah. but for the last 10 minutes i'm staring at this thing and i don't know what's going on versus the aqua eye is like it, it's telling you it's a circle or an x it's this is this is what we're looking for or no we're not looking for it that new technology is uh, kind of cool. So, so what's it been like to try and get into the different markets? Because you're talking like dive teams, military, police, fire. I mean, to me, it, I enjoy the challenge. It's a really, really exciting market and community to sell into. I mean, I, again, approaching it from a sales lens and a business development lens, it's a really unique community in that we sell it to different fire departments and traditionally if you're selling to a private business let's say and you wouldn't sell that for this equipment you sell the one competitor and they're going to want to kind of contain it for their own competitive advantage so establishing word of mouth and getting people to share can be tricky in a traditional business development sense but when you're selling into the fire service and any any public safety professional emergency services anyone in that space there's of course none of that like they're they're always trying to help their neighbor out there's like a strong like mutual aid neighbors helping neighbors is a pillar of what like, the fire service does 
And so because of that, what is a real joy, you get to meet these people and you show up, you, you know, we'll, we'll travel around. Uh, we have people on our team who travel across North America running demos. And once you get one customer really excited about it, we'll say, hey, I mean, I always equate to say, hey, can you invite your friends? Like you show up, we'll run a demo, we'll do this great stuff. And people are so willing to share. So the camaraderie and the sense of community and the sense of idea of supporting an idea is like what I really, really enjoy about it. The challenge side, and I, I mean, I kind of enjoy the challenge the most is we are asking for our customers to change their, their protocols, like their, their SOPs, their, their guidelines. Like we have to accept, like we're asking them to put Aqua in the water first, do a search first and trust in the data that Aqua produces. And I understand fully, like no change is easy, even if they look at it and they'll intellectually look at it and look at the screen and go, that makes sense, I believe it's there. But push comes to shove, change is just hard for a human to do and particularly when lives are at stake, not only the person in the water, but the team that you're, you're in command of. So that's the trickiest part. Like you get a lot of people going, yep, I like it. This makes tons of sense. But the deployment and rollout takes a high level of patience and, and continuously going. Uh, or just continuously pushing is the wrong word. We're not trying to push. But it just takes patience to, and understanding and empathy going, hey, this is not a small ask. Even if intellectually they can say, yes, this is the right approach. Change is hard. And change when people's lives are at stake is really hard. And I think for me, like, that's the cool part of having you here, Brent, is like when somebody talks about process and change and, and all of those things, what do you think of, like, you know, you're, you're a water rescue guy for a long time and like, how do you even see putting a tool like this into implementation? If I could talk to anyone else in a fire service about if you're going to change something like this, the one thing that, yeah, the change is hard, you're right. And getting them to get on board sometimes is a little bit, but the stress level that you're now no longer putting on your responders is huge, mm -hmm. right? Because now we go out there, you're going to get in the water, and immediately I'm looking with this. I'm not, right, the old days of, hey, we're going to do this chain and we're going to walk until we find this person because we can walk in this area. Or it's, I'm scanning these areas and I can do it quickly. Yeah. So the, even the time that it would take to set up and the resources that I would normally need, I don't need those kind of resources, I can do it very, very quickly. So, and then with that change and yeah, it's, you know, if you have that, even in a duty truck or whatever, and that person's there first, they can already be saying, Hey, this is where we're going to start looking. Yeah. It's year round too. Like, it doesn't matter if it's a lake, if it's a pool, if it's a canal, because you can use it in there. It doesn't matter if it was a storm pond and someone's gone through the ice, mm -hmm. right? That, Hey, we're gonna look through this hole and it's really easy. I'm not now, I have no idea where they are underneath the ice, right? So there's just so many multiple things that you can do that is taking stress off of your incident commander because they know, okay, this is what we're gonna do first. And then for your firefighters and responders, they can, they're not having to wait. We know where we're gonna to have to go. So it's, there's all kinds of things in the fire service over my 29 years that I've gone, oh my gosh, there's been, Right, we change this, we change that, and 99.9% .9 of the time we'll complain about it, but it's always been for the good and it's always been yeah. for the better. So it's, it's about adapting that technology and using that tool and using it to benefit your service. And most services are always strapped for manpower, right? That's our number one complaint all the time is manpower. So I talk lots about if I can have a tool that's a force multiplier for me, that's exactly the way I look at it. Mm -hmm.
Yeah, I, I mean, I love that, right? So now really you can get someone to the water there quickly, do the scan and, and have targets as the next people are starting to roll in. And, to, and so at a place where you don't have a lot of people, it, it gives you that ability to just really quickly get there, do the scan and, and go. So something you said to me before we started, and I, I want to get back to that, is sure. as a company, you think this would be amazing to have public access, just like AEDs. Mm -hmm. And so at first I thought, oh man, what, you know, where are you going to put these things? <laughs> but, but then you think about all the places that you see an automatic external defibrillator, right? And so, you know, the, a beach has three or 400 people at it and one person has a problem. Yeah. The AED being there is critical if we can get you out, mm -hmm. but it's not as critical as finding you and actually getting you out. And so what, uh, work that up a bit for me. Like how do you see that working out? Uh, no, it's a great question. That's our ultimate vision is getting these things deployed like in AED so we can save lives. I mean, uh, that's our mission. That's what we're here to do. That's the thing that we wake up every day and that's what drives us. As I said, like selling is the way we get there. But I guarantee you, like the things we celebrate in the office and home whenever we hear a customer has successfully used it, oftentimes a recovery, that's what we share. That's what we care about. That's the stuff that drives us. Maybe again, if, if I can give you another quick story as a, yeah, as a bit of a lead up. What kind of kicked off how this could roll out, or I guess the need, um, and I guess it was a bit obvious, but this kind of solidified it. We had a team in uh, Texas. There was a drowning on a, uh, a common swimming lake, roughly around central Texas. First fire department team, there was no lifeguard on the beach, and the first fire department team to show up did not have aqua. So they showed up and they were using traditional search techniques. I don't know all the details of what they're doing, but they're searching for about, I think, 15 to 20 minutes. And then one of our customers who was in the area just responded through mutual aid. They have three aqua. I think they've bought a few more since then. Uh, but they're a very well-trained team. You know, they're dive captains. Or they're, actually, they're not a dive team. They're a, a surface rescue team. Incredibly well-trained. Like, we've seen them in action. They're phenomenal at what they do. So they got there. They had aqua with them. So they got off their truck. Within five minutes from truck arriving to, you know, within five minutes, they were able to get in the water scan the area, they'd found their target, which was the correct victim, they put a swimmer out on, they were able to get on the water, grab him, get him out of the water, and put him on a stretcher. So in under five minutes, they arrived, and they had a body on a stretcher. Now, they did life-saving measures on him. Unfortunately, it was too late, so they're unable to revive him. But within that short window, they were able to identify and find and recover a victim. So when you look at that timeline, that five-minute window, we look like that's enough to save lives. If you, if you can do that, if you can go fast enough, if you can find where these devices need to live, lives can be saved. So when we started looking and one of the things we said, was, it's just a matter of, like it's a simple statement, but just like an AED, it has to be right place, right time. Aqua needs to be right place, right time. Now we don't want to imply that this is going to be a measure just used by someone off the street, like an untrained professional. If we equip them to go swim after someone in the water, I think we're going to be inviting more problems because there's so many follow on drowning incidents where someone, you know, a good Samaritan's going after someone and they get themselves into trouble. We don't want to encourage that because that can just cause and make the problem worse. But we do see this huge network of public safety professionals. There's firefighters, there's police officers, people who can be trained in proper protocols to at least find people. So our, our vision and mission is really work with larger agencies. This is going to go, go into like provinces and state-run agencies, emergency service teams, like bigger, broad teams. Say, so how do we deploy this as a, a large statewide public initiative or province-wide if you're in Canada? a large initiative that actually deploys these at scale across a broad region while also providing phenomenal trading to your whole network of first responders so that if they happen to arrive on scene first, they know how to get aqua in the water, 
They know how to scan and they at least at a minimum know how to identify a victim. They may not always have training to swim after and go after them because we don't want to encourage everyone to swim after someone. I don't know if that would be the right response. But if you can find someone really quick, that's a huge part of the battle. Like everything on the show we've been hearing from firefighters is like, we've been asking like, what's the biggest challenge? Like, I can't see underwater. Like, we can't see, how do you search? So if we can at least help a public safety professional get in the water safely, you don't require full submerged, so safely enter the water and find a probable target, there's a meaningful chance someone will show up with some type of water rescue, dive rescue, some capabilities. We feel confident that will enable people to save lives. We'd love to save all of them. That's not realistic, but we're very confident given success we've had, successful aquai, we can work. The first challenge we faced was, can we actually help people search through the water quickly? And we feel very confident the technology is developed to point that works. The next part is how do we get the technology in the water fast enough by a trained professional. So I don't know if that answers your question. That's got the vision where we're going. We want to see this thing deployed to save lives. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I can, uh, as I travel the States, I see the lifeguard shack, so you can see it there, right? Yep. I think of frontline engines, right? So right where we work, you know, for as a good example, you know, the frontline engine's going to be there in minutes. And so some of the really close calls, we had a, a good rescue we were part of last year, but another two minutes without someone finding that person and this thing could have been deployed and, and find them, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of teams are just surface rescue, but if you're there and the body's not down too far or gone too far yet, you, you do have a chance, right? If you can find where they are underwater, I mean, the hardest part is you can't see. I mean, that's such a, and even in the selling part, you, you, you can't see. So if you can, I mean, and if you look at sonar is the best medium to understand what's going on in the underwater environment. I mean, that's how dolphins and mammals like that's a very powerful thing to do right and so underwater we can't see a thing so we bring uh, understanding of the underwater environment so you can find someone quick that's the problem and if you have that that enables a better outcome i mean on top of that just keeping teams safe is a huge part of it. i mean anytime someone's in the water is high risk acres emergency vehicles a message from our community a person who is risking his or her life to save the lives and properties of others deserves something as reliable as an Acres emergency vehicle. This is our mission, to thank these people with the best gift we can, our best effort. Our commitment includes a firefighter-driven design, manufacturing integrity, personal and professional service. We are here to serve. We guarantee personal and professional service every step of the way. Acres emergency vehicles, built for a life of service. Please visit our website at www.acresev.ca. Brent, you can talk to this, I'm sure, is the, the stress of trying to look through murky water in a lot of places in Canada is the, the most stressful part. Yeah, actually, that's a great... I didn't really think about that, but it's so true. And especially at the beaches, right? You've got kids out there playing this and that. And depending on what the base of your body of water is, it could be really murky and really hard to see. Mm-hmm. And this thing doesn't care. It, it can just look through it. Mm-hmm. And then when you were talking about that story, some other things when I, because I always revert back to short man and, and you're talking about saving lives and, and, and getting people found and recovered quicker, that one of the really important things also with that is we are there, but if I'm there doing, and unfortunately many instances, when I I arrive on scene and it's, right, well, I'm looking for the last known, right? Mm -hmm. And most people 
are horrible at telling me right where the last known is or well i think they were here or they were this much farther in right and you try to you try to do everything properly and you try to get the triangle on it and get it figured out but it's it's not ever exactly where they're going to say it is and then but if we're getting people out quicker too we're also you're not just saving lives in the water you're saving lives outside because now all of a sudden we've taken an incident that could have Pro been prolonged for up to days yeah. Yeah. now that I've we found this person and we have them out within minutes if it's successful amazing if it's not we're now in service though for the other residents in that city right or Absolutely. in that municipality that you have a fire truck that's able to respond to the next call so if you're looking at it as an overarching is that with this technology, I guess, you're not just saving lives in the water, you're making it so that responders are ready to go on the next call quicker. Absolutely. When I first started here, I've only been in PhotoSafe about two and a half years. Uh, one of my best friends, his dad uh, was a former, he's a, was a fire chief, he's retired now. I started and I said, hey, can, I just want to give your dad a call. I want, I want to understand his mindset. Like, I want to know what this is all about. And I gave him a call because it's the stuff that kind of comes forward a little more obvious, but what you exactly shared outside of the fire service, I just wasn't fully aware of and he's like look I have a, a group of people that I'm in charge of and I have a whole community that I'm responsible for keeping safe and when we deploy significant amount of resources and people to one incident should something horrific happen somewhere else I've gone too deep with resources here and you've got this community that's kind of exposed and his feedback was there's lots of value but resource efficiency is too simple a statement but we have to be aware of like there's only so many people to go around you said earlier like manpower is tricky to come by if you throw too many people at one thing and something else happens, you're going to get to the next one on a time, and you've got this cascading problem that gets like you, you, you have those water instances where they're they're extremely prolonged. You're bringing in all these people on overtime. Right? Mm -hmm. you're, you've got boats out in the water. You're doing this. You're doing that. Just in overtime and things, right? If you had two, three instances in one year, you've paid for it. Like just in overtime. The resource side is one, I don't know if, I'm, if you have time for the, one more little quick story, oh, but any stories. Um, early on when I was uh, when I started here, we work with a lot of, any, any local teams, we're based out of Vancouver, BC, Canada, any local team that needs support, they know we're available to help. I mean, of course we will. So from time to time, uh, some of the other police or fire units will call us and say, hey, there's, you know, there's been an incident. It's usually, you know, past hour one, so it's in a recovery mode. Say, hey, can you come and help? Can you support? And we'll always come out and help. So I got a call from a team, the company, like three to six months, still didn't know a whole lot. And they're like, we need some help. Like, of course, I'm going to do whatever I can to help. So we got out there. And it was incredibly eye-opening to see the resource deployment. I mean, it was it was on the beach, not far from Vancouver. And they had a helicopter flying over. They, they just had a, I think, a dog, uh, a dog shore team. They didn't go in the water, but they had a dog shore team. They had a significant fire service deployed. They had the police department deployed. They had, I think, one or two urban search and rescue units on volunteer basis combing through the water. I think I can't remember what else was deployed, but I was looking at the amount of resources that were deployed to find this missing person in the water. It was astounding. Unfortunately, we were called in about 24 hours after the incident, and at that point in time, it was in the ocean. There's a lot of current, a lot of drift. It's hard to, to support, but we were at a minimum able to get in the water and clear with confidence that section of beach, so at least when they finished their ports, they didn't have this nagging thing, did I search thorough enough? At least they could go home at the end of the day and say, hey, they're not in this body of water. And so looking at resource, I was, it was eye-opening to see 
what's actually deployed. As a member of the public, I, I was very ignorant to what it's actually like to be in a situation where something's active and it's significant. If you can take that amount of deployment and reduce it into an hour, it's benefit for everyone. And I think that you have to, for a second, from our point of view, realize the why there's that significant of an impact, right? Like that's somebody's loved one. And so oh, yeah. expect to, you know, I, I know that they bring in resources that could never work to help us because they're trying to, every agency's trying to think of every single thing that they could do, right? Oh we, yeah. We went to one, there's cadaver dogs, there's helicopters, there's multiple boats from multiple agencies, there's people out in the water, there's people are trying to help, people are trying to figure it out. And, and the whole time, it's a lot of pressure because it's like, even if, as time goes on, it's going to become a recovery from a rescue. There's that whole nagging, is it still a rescue? Is it still a rescue? And then when it switches to a recovery, there's still, you know, someone's family is sitting there watching you. Somebody's mother, father, brother, sister, loved one, grandpa, grandma, whatever. And the pressure of all of that, that's the recovery. Like every recovery, I think of actually finding them. And the next thing I think of is the faces of their relatives that are like, they've been through the biggest grief that they possibly can go through, but there's some small amount of relief that we found them that they're, that they're going to get their chance to, you know, say goodbye and, and do the right thing. So, yeah. And, and the statement was not meant to imply no, bad deployment of resources. I'm, no. I'm, you know, again, as a member of the public and I got, you know, two young kids, I'm, I'm so grateful for the support and service we have. I think most people go through this world and hopefully they don't, they don't need it, but should you need it? I mean, the resources that will be deployed to help you or help find a loved one is unbelievably immense and it's amazing. I mean, that, and that's why to me, like we take this seriously. We, we, we want to help that. We want to be part of another layer of search, another layer of protection that can kind of improve that outcome. But like looking at what happens, I mean, that's, that's the nature of how we operate. That's how our community is. If someone goes missing, something happens, like there are many layers of system that will do everything possible to save them and bring them home. And it's so needed. Like you just, like I watched near drowning in a pool and the kids were just, it was after swimming lessons and there's like 30, 40 kids, right? Mm -hmm. Public swimming starting after and everyone's getting there. And, mm -hmm. and this little kid's like once, twice, three times and, and finally the lifeguard's on it, but in a pool full of people, right? Trying to make those moves and, and that action. I, I, I won't lie. I was just a second away from throwing my phone down and jumping in there fully clothed. To, wow. Right. And so now take that times it by 10, mm -hmm. make it in a lake or a river or whatever that you can't see very well in, yeah. and it makes it difficult, right? And when you get there, it's never, there's never a calm scenario. Mm -hmm. Like someone is missing, somebody is like critically freaking yeah. out. Yeah. You know, we're asking all those hard questions. Where were they last seen? What, you know, like tell me exactly where they are. And it's, again, in a big lake, a river, a whatever. And so to be able to get in there, and I think it, it just rolls back. I keep thinking of you guys talking about, you know, we can say with confidence that it is or is not this area. Yeah. That's huge when you're a first responder. Having that confidence to say it's not here or we checked all the ones that are here. Let's move on to the next space. In every single scenario I can think of where I went out to do a rescue or recovery, to have that in my head where I could say it is here or it's not here. Mm -hmm would have been a massive relief to everything, you know, and sometimes these things just go on for days and days and days, uh, a week longer. Sometimes, sadly, people never get someone back. And so to me, that's always like, even in the, if this is a recovery and we get somebody back, that's a big piece to the puzzle to, 
to uh, those people who are waiting for us to recover their loved one. Well, and even in your previous episode, we talked about it right before we started recording, my experience, you know, uh, it's an honor and luxury to get to talk to the amount of firefighters and first responders I get to. And unfortunately, a lot of them have these stories, like you just said, where they couldn't find them in time and they have this story that doesn't end, unfortunately. And, and you talked about, you know, there's, you know, there's a lot of danger in the service and there's the, you know, the actual physical danger of the job. But the mental health component is significant when you have this. I know there's training and I'm, I'm, you know, listening to your episodes, I'm grateful that it's becoming part of the fire service and mental health is a topic that can be discussed because I don't think in the past it always was, but helping to at least conclude, you know, I'd imagine would be such a big benefit again, I'm not a firefighter, but looking at if you have this question mark and that question mark never gets answered and kind of sticks with you, that's rough. And so if we can just help, I mean, it's the family, but it's, you know, the firefighter, people like it, it's this whole dynamic. It's, it's, it's a tough scenario. I mean, it's, it's hard work. It's, yeah, you, you need closure, right? Yeah, you do. That's the yeah, word. Yeah, that's the word. It doesn't matter if it's the family or the people that were out on the beach or the first responders that go there. Mm-hmm. We all need that closure. We all need that recovery, right? And so I, I truly believe, and, and that's kind of why you're here, is that this could first and foremost be a rescue tool. If we don't get a chance to do that, we at least get to do the next best thing we can do for you, which is to recover those people and, and get them out of the water. Of course. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. So, Brent, when you think back after a, a long career of working around the water and all the things, I didn't say a long, long, long career. <laughs> long career. <laughs> yeah. How many times do you think back and think, man, a tool like this would have would have made a difference, could have made a difference? Oh, oh I could, every time. It's And it's not just a tool that you use at the beginning, right? Yeah, yeah you're going to use it at the beginning, and yeah, you're still going to do some traditional things of where, right, last scene, that's where I'm going to start, obviously, with it. But in a way, it's a closure tool, right? When we talk about that whole, right, yeah, this we know this, unfortunately, this is going to be a recovery. Lots turn out that way, which is horrible, but it is this life and reality. Right? We talk about that mental health piece is that when we, you use it as another tool, like for example, we bring a dog out, right? And or we use Western cadaver dogs and this dog Oakley is amazing and it hits right on the right spot. But if I had that tool at that time, I could have been like, okay, the dog hit here and it hit here, right? Mm-hmm. This is my next spot to search with this, yeah. right? Use that tool again, use the aqua yeah. eye. And all of a sudden now, okay, great this is our spot right so you could stack up the resources you just keep stacking your resources and and so it's not just a one oh we only use it for this no it's multiple places yeah we're gonna search this search that we didn't know the last spot right you get a dog out there and all of a sudden it starts making okay well i can actually search this now real quick so it's it's a closure tool as well so it's uh not necessarily the way that it was necessarily designed for but it brings down that closure for when we talk mental for firefighters, for any responders, the police that are there, and then the family, right, getting all that closure as well. It's 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 a bigger tool when you think about it that way because it can be used on so many different levels. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I mean, of course you want to save a life. I think everyone wants to do that. I mean, that's what's called, you know, fire rescue. But, I mean, that's that's not a little deal. Like, that's not a small deal. Like, you know, anyone with loved ones, which, you know, hopefully there's everyone in this world, like the idea of not knowing what happened to someone, you know, I can't imagine walking through life like exactly. that. And so if we can help aid, you know, people in that, that's, that's, that's a big deal. 
that's you know it's an honor to be able to help that yeah well and to kind of talk about the unit a little bit more yeah sure i, I yeah. think you know it's 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 sweet it's like bright yellow like yeah in your face 80s fluorescent yellow so good yeah. good choice on that on that <laughs> you know uh usable screen easy to deploy um what i loved is that there's not a million buttons not not that i don't love all the people in the fire service but you all can push too many buttons from time to time. <laughs> and so, you know, you, you don't want to give us too many options in the fire service. You don't want to give us calibration or anything like that because we're bound to really calibrate it. <laughs> but, you know, so we're going to be able to see it. We're going to be able to hang on to it. We're going to be able to use it with our thick gloves on. Yep. So, again, for Canada, where you're dealing with the cold weather, right, we were out doing it in May. The ice had just been off for a few weeks, and we have our water rescue suits and our thermals on, and we're out there playing with this thing, you know, and and so that's cool farther down in the states you know maybe it's warmer water that uh, they're dealing with but again having the size of the unit something you can manage you can store it in the cab of your truck you can put it in a cabinet i think all of that is stuff that i like and, and brent you talked a little bit about the ice rescue but you know that's up here in canada that's a huge piece of the puzzle and i think i can see the applications for that in many ways too especially in the spring right it's robust too. It's not made out of like it's gonna. You can don't want to necessarily throw it around or anything, but, <laughs> yeah. right? It's but it's not. You don't have to worry about. Oh my gosh, this is gonna break if I throw it down on the ice or right or put it in the snow or you're not worried about anything like that. So we like to say it's firefighter proof. Um, we've heard from a lot of firefighters that no, things can no get beat such up. Thing. <laughs> well, I know that, that that's a joke. We, we've learned in the sales process. Usually, when we say that if we need to bring levity to a conversation, yeah. we say that usually gets some type of uh, yeah. some type of laugh. <laughs> but it, no, it is designed to be exactly said. It's meant to be robust, but also really simple and intuitive to use. And those are the, those are the two components. Have you not to sidetrack? Because have you seen or heard of our, our recent? product extension it's literally an extension called reach no let's no let's yeah should i should have brought it's it with time. me Talk about yeah it. i should have brought it with me we had it on the trade show floor but not here but it was uh, being from canada the original design was ice rescue you arrive on scene if you have to whether you're cutting a hole or going through a borehole whatever it is getting the unit underneath the ice is tricky you know traditional approaches you can get some long gloves thermals you can actually get it in the water and scan below but that's just a lot trickier so we developed an extension arm it's called reach so um, to call it a pole kind of doesn't do it justice, but it's an extension arm. It folds in half and it gives you about five feet of depth. So you can actually go through pretty thick ice, get it below the surface really quick and search below the ice with an extension arm. So you don't even have to put your hands in the water. So it was designed for that because we've heard a lot of people, I mean, ice, how else do you search below the ice? And so we, we did that for ice rescue, super applicable to Canada and the cold parts of the U.S., We've also used a lot off of like off of a dock, off of the structure, and again, speaking to getting, hey, we want to keep people out of the water while searching. So this this extension arm allows you to, to just you know you can go off a dock, off of the side of anything, off of a boat even, because going leaning over a boat, leaning over a boat is, I mean, I've done it with customer demos, and it's tricky because they're usually going to like scan more, and you've got the side of a boat digging into your gut. <laughs> you after a while, you can't breathe so well. So this gives you the ability just to kind of put it over the edge. I'll definitely show you guys and happy to share with anyone. Yeah, but, we'll, uh, I'll shoot some pictures. Yeah, yeah so I'll send it if you can, can share have a it. Look at that and stuff too, for sure. But it, yeah, it's had a big impact on getting below the ice. But if you're scanning off of any structure, including a boat, it just gives you way better access to the water and allows you to go a little deeper. But it gives you more stability because you have more leverage if you're holding and fighting current and stuff. It's a, it's a, I think it's a pretty cool product. I'm biased, of course, but I think it's pretty neat. A great example for that. Then for us, we've got a man-made lake, right? But our beach. 
wouldn't be a beach to most people in the world because <laughs> it's a sandy area and then there's actual steps down off of that, right? So that would be great for us because yeah. that's where most of our water incidents happen. You could, we could just do it right there and we could go step by step. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I love the sound of it, right? The boat thing for sure is a, a factor, docks, just off the, the wall, right? So we've got a lot of retaining walls right there, so you could just go down off the wall. Yeah, exactly, yeah, it just gets it in the water faster, and the more we can keep people out of the water while searching through the water, that's what we wanna do. Right on, so we, so we invited you, so I'm gonna give you a little bit of time to give these guys some, uh, you know, how do they look this up? What's your website? How do they contact you? What's going on? This is your, <laughs> this is your time to shine there, marketing man. Uh, I'm happy to share. I'm realizing <laughs> now I should know our social social media contacts more, and I'm, I'm terrified I'm going to get our, our website wrong. <laughs> so if you want to find us, you can go to votasafe.ca uh, and get to our website. That'll have all the, all the access you need from there. You can check us out on uh, Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. Okay. And so for everyone that's out there, you know, Paul, one of our water guys really set us up with a cool demo. So we got the video and then someone came online with us and actually set up a Zoom or whatever with us and kind of talked us through the product and answered all of our questions. And so again, I'll go back to, I think that you definitely got to, this is not something you can just grab and use. You have to take some training and understand what's going on. So take time to do that. And and so Eric, thank you for being here today and sitting down with us and going through this with this incredible product. Brent, as always, you're always so full of color. You're the color man. <laughs> Happy to be here. <laughs> so uh, to thank be you, Jamie. This is an honor. This is a lot of fun. Appreciate it. Thank you. It's uh, awesome. So Growing Up Fire, season three, episode 11, uh, here with Eric talking about the Aqua Eye. So check them out and check out our social media stuff for all of the pictures of all the equipment. Thanks for listening to Growing Up Fire today. Follow me on Instagram at Chief Coots to comment or send questions. We appreciate your support.